Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Body and Wine, conversations on sex and spirituality. I'm Charlie Gray, and today's episode, we go back to Palestine, post-Ramadan, when I chatted with Majdal, a strong and wise Palestinian yoga teacher living and practicing in Ramallah. How do Islam and Buddhist teachings connect? Where can we find unity? What are ways we can get to know our own bodies? And what does it mean to explore masculine and feminine energies? Majdal discusses these topics, among many others, here and now on Body and Wine. Please, we're so hungry. We're hungry for more. body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Body and Wine podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can also include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen. And as always, take care of yourself. All right. (laughs) Great. Hello and welcome to Body and Wine, conversations on sexuality and spirituality. I'm Charlie Gray, and I'm sitting here with my friend Maj Dell. Hello. (laughs) Yudamallah in Palestine. On a really hot day. On a really hot day, (laughs) contained in a really warm room. (laughs) And after Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know Majdal through a local non-for-profit yes. yoga mm-hmm. studio here in Ramallah that ended up being really impactful for me, actually. I think when I first arrived here, it was the tail end of like a really long winter that just seemed never-ending, it seemed mm-hmm. like, for a lot of people. Yeah. And it was like a dark <laughs> time, kind of, and... Your women's only class was so good for me. All the way through. It was this constant little, not like a counselor, but it was this steady (laughs) rock every week that I was like, okay, I know I can land here at the safe space. And things that you said always brought up really good things for me to think about. So thank you actually for that. Thank you. It was was a safe space for me too from um, all the students that came. It was really lovely. Yeah, it's been really cool to get to know you outside of yoga too. And I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad too. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, can you describe a little bit of yourself to me? Yes. Um, to all those listening? Yes, which is always an awkward thing to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. who are we really? I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's always a complicated question. Mm. But I am, my name is Majdar. I'm a Palestinian woman, uh, a yoga teacher. And at the moment, my work is focused on teaching people how to use the tools of yoga and breathing to release stress. And recently, my work has been focused on women naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, It just sort of geared towards women to work on um, healing our womb, healing Mm -hmm. our uterus, and all the conditioning that it has picked up from generations Mm -hmm. and centuries. (laughs) That's amazing. And how, 
this women's class that I met you in, Mm -hmm. what made you want to start that class? Because I think I came to the first one, right? Is that correct? You did. And I think so far you've came to every single one except for... The last one. The last one. Exactly. Which is going to be weird without you. Um, (laughs) But... um, the reason I started the woman classes, initially it was going to be a series where mm-hmm. every week we were going to tackle a health issue for women. Okay. But then it evolved and new people were coming in the whole time that it kind of evolved into focusing on the womb and the uterus. Mm-hmm. And the reason I started it was because I felt like my feminine really needed healing. I noticed I was feeling more comfortable with men, but not safe at the same mm-hmm. time. And I noticed that there was a deep conditioning were coming up of viewing women as competition and jealousy. And so I was mm. noticing... Like women to women. Women to women. Ah, okay. In myself and in people around me, mm. even though they were, I was surrounded by extremely supportive women. Mm. But I noticed patterns of going to men to find some sort of comfort rather mm. than women. Mm who were extremely supportive, but I just couldn't reach out. And so I noticed that the feminine within wanted wanted nurturing and wanted healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I was discovering that in my own, mm-hmm. I felt it would be very useful to uh, work on it with other women. Cool. And so I wanted it to be a space for, for all of us to share our experiences and grow together. Mm-hmm. And that's how... I hope for it to evolve yeah. if we have a set a set type of woman where we can expand together and yeah I mean for me it ended up being definitely something that I needed that feminine space yeah. I think more than I really realized and at first when I went to the class because I had no idea what to expect I thought it was just going to be you know, because sometimes in these societies there are just women's only spaces mm-hmm. just for a little bit more safety, but not as intentionally talking about it. And I didn't realize that it was going to be, mm. yeah, there was going to be a lot of intention put into it, which was so special for me. And also I had been experiencing some unsafety with some men in my life too, mm-hmm. more emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so just to have this this space where even if we weren't necessarily talking to each other, it was so, it just became quite sacred. Yeah. And and part of the introduction that I always give in the class is that we are living in an unbalanced world when it Mm -hmm. comes to the female male power. Yeah. We're definitely a masculine world. Yes. (laughs) And so the feminine needs a little bit more nourishing. And, uh, you know, not to say that men don't need healing, but Mm -hmm. the feminine energy as a whole um, Mm. wants healing. And then the feminine and the masculine, we can talk a little about it later, but that's present in all of us. And how, just so I get my terminology right, like the yoga, it's predominantly yin yoga that you teach, or in this class, Mm -hmm. it would be defined Mm -hmm. as yin yoga? Yeah. Um, No, in this class, it's not defined as yin yoga. So usually, interestingly, all the the styles of yoga that are common Mm. are all under hatha yoga. Okay. Um, And so yin yoga is part of hatha yoga. Um, and then, so there are only two types of yoga, mm-hmm. uh, like yoga that we know, um, mm-hmm. and that's Hatha yoga and Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And so I teach Hatha yoga. Sometimes it's uh, gentle, but it, it's always slower. Mm-hmm. It's always slower, gentle Hatha yoga. Sometimes it's a flow and sometimes it's yin. Mm-hmm. And the difference is that yin, we hold the poses longer. Okay. Um, but I, no, I don't always teach yin, but I love yin. It's Okay. I'm glad I favorite. asked then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And then... Later on, we might get more into this, but the Vipassana meditation. Yes. 
do you leave that at all or that's just something that you participate in and practice that's not something I lead that requires lots and lots and lots of training Mm -hmm. and it comes naturally you don't request to lead Mm -hmm. um so it's something for for my personal uh something for me for my personal practice yeah can you tell me either simply or if there's a big long story it doesn't matter but like how you got into yoga Mm -hmm. so I got into yoga because so I grew up as a Muslim I grew up in the Islamic faith. I still practice, but there was a time where I felt extremely confused mm. and extremely disconnected because I lived in Palestine for most of my childhood. And then when I was a teenager, I lived in Morocco. Mm. And then I finished my studies in the U.S. and then came back here feeling really disconnected mm. and just didn't understand where I was in terms of my faith, mm. um, especially after being exposed to so many different options. Yeah. So, different um, cultures, different, yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of disconnection. And that's how I found yoga for mm. my own practice at home and with friends. Oh. Um, and with that kind of started an exploration of myself and my body and um, just finding all that's within and the answers were always inside because in my mind I always thought I had to travel miles and miles Mm. to find what I'm looking for but um, but all everything happened in Palestine at home where my process with yoga and being introduced to Vipassana Mm -hmm. being introduced to also teaching yoga Mm -hmm. which also came very randomly but not so randomly Mm. (laughs) and so it all came from um, a sense of disconnection Mm. and a a deep desire to be connected Mm. wow that's really beautiful and this idea too of like seeking out to find but like ultimately continuing to find it within your own self is like such a beautiful thing yeah I also yoga for me became a, a, a deep healer because I kind of there, I had this moment, I think I had done yoga maybe for a couple of years, but just sporadically, like never really got into it. And then had this period of my life where I had been religious up until that period of my life within Mm. more conservative Christianity. Although later on in my years, more liberal Christianity, but still really within that belief system. And I had a, a period of deep anxiety. And it was from kind of traumas that had happened outside my religious faith. But I think that my belief system had caused me to live in some ways in a state of anxiety for a a number of reasons. But I found myself in a period of like high anxiety and started doing like a daily yoga practice amongst other things. And there was just this key moment for me where it just felt like a light bulb. And I think I was literally doing, what's the pose where it's like one of the warrior poses where you're like reaching up, but like in a lunge. Like a little lunge. Ah, warrior one. Yes. Yes. And I was like reaching up and it was this sense of, oh, I like, I don't have to reach out for anything because I had really been raised or at least internalized these beliefs that truth and what I was taught to be is God, which for the most part was also a God, the kind of father male figure Mm -hmm. was something that was always super outside of me and above me and was something I always had to seek after, but I could never reach. Yeah. And that anything that was coming from me was broken and inadequate and nothing. And it was this total flip around of like, I, it was kind of instead of reaching out, like I'm just 
I don't know. Reaching in. Reaching. Yeah. <laughs> reaching in. Yeah. Yes. And it was, it was really, it maybe sounds super simple, but it was this idea of, oh, I am God. And I, that actually took me a long time. Like, even as I say it now, it sounds a bit, yeah. I was really conditioned to say like, that's a really haram <laughs> thing to say, but not this, not this idea that says I'm everything in the universe and I deserve everything at all costs, but just this idea that deep wisdom, deep truth, the things that I'm seeking actually do start from within. And there yeah. is so much outside of me that is truth also, but it's, it was a total flip around and that was revolutionary for me. And yoga continues to be that, I think is like, yeah. it's, it's a continuing to come back to myself and that becomes the center point of wisdom as opposed to like reaching outside. It's it is really somewhere. beautiful. Mm-hmm. You, you remind me, you just reminded me of uh, two Sufi stories actually. Are you familiar with Sufism? Very, not really. Okay. Only just okay. basically. And I don't want to claim that I know much about Sufism, mm. but I just um, feel really interested. It's it's mm-hmm. part of Islam, and it's uh, a form of teaching of Islam. Yeah. And it's so beautiful because then there is one of the teachers, I can't remember his, I can't remember which one it is right now, but... Mm. Um, he kept saying that I am God mm. and he was uh, practicing Islam. He kept saying I am God and the people around him who are also practicing Islam just couldn't get it. It's, it's like, oh my God, how dare you say yeah. I am God? And I think they ended up uh, taking him and cutting him into pieces, wow. like killing him because they, it was so blasphemous. It was so blasphemous, yeah. exactly. Wow. And throughout the whole process, he was just harnessing compassion and absolutely no anger towards them and completely holding the space that I am God and you just don't understand and maybe one day you will. Wow. And um, wow. I just always found the beauty in him harnessing that compassion mm-hmm. um, because it also makes us realize that we're all conditioned in different ways mm-hmm. and all these religions come to offer us the means of liberation mm-hmm. But because our patterns are so strong, we imprison ourselves and use them as tools of imprisonment rather than liberation. Mm. And we teach it that way. And I think that that's why a lot of people in the generations are now leaving faith, and right. um, or at least faith as we know it, because yeah. it's been taught from really deep con- like Places condition. of control, maybe. Or... Places of control, exactly. Yeah. Places of the ego, I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say that all religions want us to find in their true teachings um, like Jesus, Prophet Muhammad, Musa, mm. all of them wanted us to to feel this unity that they felt yeah. but then the ego is so strong that it comes to control right. and I think that's what we've all been taught. Right. You also reminded me of another Sufi yeah. story oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> where um, Shamsuddin, uh, Shams, not Shamsuddin, Shams from Tabriz, he um, it came from the book, The, the 40 Rules of Love. Is that what I've heard of that, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The 40 Rules of Love. So one of the stories was about Shams and a woman came to him and she was like, there is a there is one verse in the Quran called Al-Nisa, which is the woman. It translates to the woman. So it's like a whole chapter. There we go. <laughs> a whole chapter about woman and the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, why is it that I'm reading it? Like, it's very offensive to women. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because then they go through one verse of this chapter together and Mm -hmm. they read it different times. And he says Mm -hmm. that 
understanding the Quran, mm-hmm. there are layers of meaning. Mm-hmm. And one layer, maybe we can um, think about it as if you're swimming in a current, in, in a river, mm-hmm. is that if you're just looking at the river from a surface, it's all just looks like it's the surface. You don't understand what's there. Yeah. And, but then when you dive deep, you notice that there are so many different currents mm. and then you kind of choose how deep you want to go. Mm. By the way, I'm totally saying the story from my perception. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, it be. sounds great. I like it. <laughs> um, but then he explains that then there is um, these different layers of meaning to the Quran depending on where the mental mm. um, understanding is. Yeah. And so he was saying that some people can view it as that it's oppressive for women because mm-hmm. that's where the mind is. Right. But then the deeper you go, once you jump into the river and you start to understand, we also start to understand that this whole chapter is not just talking about women mm-hmm. and men. It's talking about the feminine and the masculine inside every one mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the unity, God being in every one of us. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on where you are in the understanding. Right. He says that most people will stay at the surface right. and kind of read it as they want. Would that be like saying like a literal translation kind of if you just read it like at face value sort of thing? Yeah. As opposed to understanding figurative meaning or metaphor or... Yes. Or for example, I, f- I feel like this happens in all the teachings where mm. sometimes someone tells you something. Like for example, Warrior One. Mm. If you would go into classes and maybe the teacher will tell you like you're grounding down and lifting up or... Uh, I don't know what a teacher will, yeah. will say different things, mm. but it wouldn't click until the mind is kind of ready from experience to dive deep. Mm. And it's like, okay, how does this really feel? And yeah. then you kind of have this aha moment, like, oh, I get it. Yeah, cool. And he's kind of saying the same, that if you choose to delve deep mm. beyond your conditioning and read, that it will kind of reveal itself to you mm. and you will... Is that making sense? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. It's a really cool way of looking at it, actually. How, yeah. how do you read those? Are all the Sufi stories are in this book? Or how, like, where else do this they come one, from? It, this particular one is in the 40 Rules of Love. Yeah. Okay. Which wow. I totally butchered. So for all the listeners, please go back and read it from, <laughs> read it from the book. Cause but it's, uh, that's also part of what's beautiful, too, I think, is, like, how these stories... <laughs> how you perceive them and how they speak to you yeah. because it is different for different people. I mean, that's how totally I perceive true. truth anyway. It's that I don't believe that there's yeah. always an ultimate. Totally true. Yeah. 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 Cause we're always viewing it from our perception based and we all have different yeah. things that have created our perception. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about, so you've told me how you got into yoga how did you get into Vipassana? Because I think mm-hmm. this is also really interesting. And I yeah. feel like even when you and I have had conversations, it seems just like it's creeped into like so many areas of your life. Yeah. I didn't, from what I can, yeah, yeah, what totally. I can tell, like just different ways of perceiving moments yeah. and like being so aware maybe. Yeah. I feel yeah. so grateful for Vipassana. Um, I heard of it from a friend um, who also does yoga. Mm. She had told me about it because she had done it in Thailand. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that sounds so cool. And I want to travel one day to do it. Yeah. And then just a few months later, she was like, oh, some people reached out and we are going to do Vipassana here in Palestine. Mm. And I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I got into it. It yeah. felt to me like that was the ultimate yoga. Um, I'm like, wow, it, it was just really great. Mm. But I must admit, like, that's when I really understood how 
we can use patterns of liberation to imprison ourselves because oh. I can see that, you know, because my patterns were so strong, sometimes I'd be like so strict with myself and Vipassana and I'm learning over the years to kind Ooh. of... Like strict with Vipassana that. itself, you mean? Like strict with any beliefs that will come with it. Like, oh, oh I must be... Like, I must do this, 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 yeah. you know, and... More rule-based, maybe? More rule-based, yeah. Okay. Instead of, like, reading into the deeper meaning, kind of like that mm-hmm. story, maybe. But but I feel really, really, really grateful for it. So mm. it just, um, it came. I'm really lucky. That's cool. And yeah. can you give, just for whoever the listeners are, just, <clears throat> yes. like, a really brief description of what it is? Like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vipassana is a technique that the Buddha used to be enlightened. Mm. Um, and just also to clarify for the listeners... Maybe some will know and some won't, but Buddhism is not an ism. It's not a religion. Mm. And Buddha means the enlightened one. So Buddha that we know nowadays, his name is Gautama. He was just a regular uh, person who got enlightened. And because he got enlightened, he is now the Buddha. Mm -hmm. And we all have a Buddha inside of us. (laughs) And that Vipassana is his technique of how he got enlightened. So it's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um... It's a technique based on observation of breath and observation of sensation Mm. because all reality, all of our reality is experienced through this body. Mm -hmm. And so it teaches us how to truly uh, experience this Mm. body objectively. Um, So it's an exploration of the body and the mind and the self and a really, really wonderful technique. And it is done through a 10-day silent meditation courses Mm -hmm. so you're there for 10 days in silence Mm. wow nine days technically because 10th day we speak ah (laughs) that's wonderful yeah i would really love to try it actually at some point you totally yeah yeah, i think it would be great i love that i love that so much these different i don't know i think practices i'm curious okay i feel like so much of my belief system in christianity (coughs) and also quite possibly like I mean, I would say my experience of Western culture is that life is experienced cerebrally. Like you're just, the brain is taught just to be life. Maybe you refer to the heart sometimes loosely, but in general, like life is brain. And that's where personality comes from. You kind of, intelligence, it's like the organ that's the most revered. And there's a lot of disconnect between like body and whatever else is going on. Mm. And it's been really, really cool for me over the last few years, realize uh, I am my body, and my the whole it's the whole thing actually is experiencing life. Mm-hmm. But that's only been I would say in like the later twenties that I've really understood, yeah. really started to learn about my body or me as my body, like yeah. not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> saying it's my body is a separate entity is kind of yeah. like interesting a yeah. little bit. What about with with your experiencing growing up in Islam? Was there a lot of body stuff that you would have been aware of growing up in Islam? Or did that come later on with yoga and Vipassana or other things? That came later on. I mean, in Islam, then there is the prayer where you're aware of your body. But I think that that's where the connection was a little bit lost in discovering discovering the body for me. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like that was really, really crucial in exploring it. And I want to just say, whereas we are experiencing things within our body, mm-hmm. what is really beautiful is how yoga, and I don't, by yoga, I don't just mean <clears throat> the physical part, the asana part. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, I will go back to mm-hmm. answer your question. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. But just to clarify, it's funny how our mind goes and yeah. changes. No, I love time. it. That's what makes it all interesting <laughs> and fun. <laughs> Where are we going? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... 
yoga, the word yoga means mm. unity and it's kind of to unite all the polarities. It's because everything, everything in the world, mm. everything in this universe as we know it has dualities like men and women. Mm sun and moon night and day and so everything everything has polarities and yeah. all of these polarities are within us so literally the whole universe is within like mm -hmm. within without it's so beautiful yeah. and yoga just means to unite and mm. it's bringing those two together mm -hmm. and it's beautiful because whether we are aware of it or not mm -hmm. i think that from the moment we are born we're always seeking this unity yeah so in in many different ways and maybe mm. that's probably why sexuality is so big yes. for us as humans it's because we're always seeking a unity of yeah and it's so strong often pulling us in all these different directions as well yeah, yeah. is that we want those two extremes to come together and yeah. so yoga for me personally mm. is any tool that helps mm. a person to seek that unity mm. so for me personally it's maybe a mishmash of uh, vipassana i would say is something that has helped me a lot yeah. and along with the the yoga as we know it mm. um, and the islamic teachings like i feel mm. like now i understand so much more about what i was taught as a child where I didn't appreciate it at all as a teenager, <laughs> but I understand it now from my experience in Vipassana and yeah. yoga. Wow. Um, so, but no, I was extremely disconnected from my body when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that's because of Islam or anything. It's just that that wasn't part of the teachings. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way the body was taught, it was taught as unholy or unpure in the sense of, for example, our periods or mm. things like that. And I wouldn't say that in blame or in <clears throat> disregard. I understand that yeah. that was just part of the conditioning, but, um, that was a bit of the reality. Yeah. But that was the reality of yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And that's not, that's not uncommon for a lot of cultures. Of yeah. 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 For sure. All cultures, yeah. Mm. Let's talk about, I'm so curious, this language around like masculinity and femininity yeah. has become really interesting to me in the last little while, especially because mm, I would say like in my mid-20s really started to learn a lot more about trans community and like mm. the spectrum of sexuality yeah. and in some indigenous cultures back home as well, there's this idea of being too spirited and there's just, I was learning a lot about masculinity and femininity but then I, al I also kind of became afraid of using those words because it was a little bit like what does that even mean anymore like, to myself societally to other people I don't want to offend anyone and I don't know where to go with it but I'm so curious how people perceive these ideas and for myself I'm also really learning like I don't necessarily know to when to use which word but I can see in myself this kind of like you say, like there's a bit of a polarization that comes and goes and sometimes it unites and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I feel like it has to do with my like gender identity and sometimes I feel like it's at, that's at odds with yeah. gender expectations and all yeah. those things. And I'm doing a lot of sorting and not arrived at a lot of conclusions about it. <laughs> but I'm curious to know even just like how you perceive those words and when you use them. Yeah, this yeah. is a really, really interesting um, mm -hmm question because I think that's probably what we're seeking to understand mm. <laughs> <laughs> but the masculine and the feminine so I w let me start with uh and your question is as a whole right mm -hmm. like um, <clears throat> just to explain like 
um, maybe I'll first start to speak about like that masculine and feminine. Like for example, uh, what the feminine energy is for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that's the the mother nature. That's earth. Like what we refer to as the mother and Mm. it's just it's this darker energy but not darker in the sense like darker kind of like the moon like Uh, it's soft and it is or like um, fertility maybe like soil and like like fertility or like the womb like it's dark Mm -hmm. you know the womb is a dark Mm -hmm. but safe space yeah and so it's this soft energy that is so giving and it supports life Mm -hmm. like I would say it's the supporter of life Mm -hmm. where we all have that energy within us that kind of like that supportive nurturing um and that part that's in harmony with nature it's Mm um and and that's and by by woman I'm not saying that this is what woman is I this is what feminine energy is to me Mm -hmm. and then the masculine is that that like the sun, that assertive aspect, the aspect that is direct, that's very linear, that mm-hmm. goes for what it wants, that demands and commands, and mm-hmm. it's that power that's mm-hmm. in us. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, combining those two, it's like where where we can hold the compassion for people and for ourselves, mm-hmm. but also we're assertive and we kind of know who we are yeah. and we're out, we're out there and getting it and yeah. you know, but also with compassion because I feel like when one of those goes out of balance, mm-hmm. like for example, mm-hmm. if we have which what we see in our world mm-hmm. is that there's maybe lots of people going after power and what we view as masculine, but then they're yeah. missing that. Yeah. nurturing peace and that compassion and that mm-hmm. motherly energy mm-hmm. and then I lost my train of thought but <laughs> I was like I was going somewhere with that <laughs> but um maybe you'll pick it up maybe maybe it'll come yeah and and this idea has been like I'm I'm just now exploring it and mm-hmm. noticing it mm-hmm. within me mm-hmm it's been talked about for centuries like even yes. in the chinese uh it's in all cultures in i think all really. cultures yeah um, especially when yeah. you start to one one way that i knew like that we would connect is because i think pretty quickly in one of the women's yoga classes i think it was actually even the first one you mm-hmm. were talking about like where you were on your cycle and you were just transparent you know you yeah. meet this yoga teacher for the first time they're like this is where i am on my cycle so i'm going to teach this way but i promise you next time i think it was like the full moon was coming up we'll do more of an energetic one or something and i was like yes um because i think yeah i've learned so much about myself and i would say my own femininity but also I think maybe part of this masculinity too by by tracking my cycle for years I think now I'm so hyper aware possibly too hyper aware of like what my cycle could do like and I also you know um but uh, but getting to know my body has been incredible in that way because it's helped me get to know myself helped me get to know how I can interact with the world is just by tracking the cycle actually and I think both of us did period journals. Or yeah. <laughs> yes. They're awesome period journals. They're amazing. They're really, really, really good. Yeah. yeah. And and good to track because how sometimes like society makes us feel a little bit, sometimes yes. a little bit less for having our mood swings, but there's so much power in those yes. quote unquote mood swings. Yeah, there <laughs> is. And it's one of these things that's like, like, I think either you can read into it in like a super, super spiritual sense or just out of the practical sense of if you get a period and it's going to happen anyway, and it's going to happen for probably a long time in your life, like, how are you going to use it to your advantage? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's, you know, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> either it's a deeply beautiful thing for you, or it's just like, you might as well think positively yeah. because it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And by the way, if I get like too spiritual for the listeners, please let me know. So <gasps> oh my gosh. No, it's like all in spiritual. Uh, translate. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, and that's even, yeah, it's interesting. This word spirituality, what does that mean to you? Like even when you hear that mm. word. It's an interesting word. Um, mm-hmm. I use interesting a lot. Yeah. But for me, for me, spirituality would be connection. Mm-hmm. And by connection, I would say connection to yourself. Yeah. Because I think the more we explore about ourselves, the more we are less identified with the body. Like, we are very much in the body. Please don't get me wrong. Like, we are very much connected to the body, Mm -hmm. but we're not attached to it. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to see that we're not it. Like, we are, we we have it, but we're not it, if that makes sense. And so, but but just to go back a little further, yeah, spirituality to me means um, connection. Connection Mm. to this union, connection to your true self, Mm. um, connection to who you are. Yeah. Because how many, I mean... How, how many of us really know who we are? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm st- we're all oh exploring. And it's we're constantly changing. Co- and it's constantly yeah, changing. I can't keep up. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> huh. But I'm curious, yeah, what is your uh, view? In- well, I used, in some ways I use it as an umbrella term just for the practical sense of wanting to include as many voices as possible in this podcast. Mm. And it, I think spirituality covers more than the word religion does, for example. For sure, yeah. And I think in some ways you kind of named it a little bit earlier that there's a lot of people that are leaving formal religion, but I find myself hearing this word a lot that people are saying, I'm spiritual but not religious. Sometimes it becomes a bit of a joke. People kind of make fun of, you know, the typical person that's like, I'm super spiritual and whatever. Yeah. But I think that, I think that it's, um, a lot of people are using it because so many of us anyway don't have language to describe we know what we're leaving maybe but we don't know what we're going towards Mm -hmm. but I know for myself when I left formal religion I mean it took it was an unraveling of years but there was definitely a point of over a course of like a couple of weeks where I was like oh I've kind of like unraveled the ball of yarn and I'm now at the end of the rope and now I'm going without that rope. Like, mm. I'm not attached to it anymore. And it was a really clear breaking, um, which was huge for me. But it was heading into the unknown, and it felt a little bit like, yeah, I now know how to define what I'm not, but I don't know how to define what I am. Mm. And do I even need to define what I am? And I'm at the point where I don't need to do that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't then have the language always to connect with other people who maybe are in similar places. Whereas when I was a certain religion, like I could say I'm Christian, I could connect with Christians around the world to a certain extent. And then even beyond that, I knew the um, specific denomination that I was from. So I could really connect Mm. deeply to certain people or, you know, there was so much breadth of terminology to connect to other people on a spiritual level. Mm. Whereas now it's a little bit more in the unknown. And I do find that it happens, but there's just less language to describe it. And I think for me, yeah, it is just maybe some people leave religion and they, they don't care anymore about this uh, sense of getting to know themselves necessarily. For me, it's trying to understand. It's having a relationship with mystery and awe, you mm. know. And I do think it is, yeah, it's getting to know myself and then myself within the universe and kind of interacting with that mystery. Less about needing to know it, but still like wondering at it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's beautiful. I think we're in like a really interesting period of transition. And yeah, maybe religions will stay around for a long time. I have no idea. But a lot of people are letting go of them or walking away from them. And yeah. So it's kind of, it, but I think spirituality still covers 
uh, religion also because it's just like trying yeah, to understand yeah. the spirit and in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a more uh, unifying or encompassing word. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So then would you identify, going back to the masculine and feminine, more with one energy or the other or do you really see it like in balance in yourself? It's for sure not in balance. <laughs> um, I mean, I have, I'm, I'm in this life as a woman. Mm-hmm. So perhaps just I do identify as a woman. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's so interesting to see how it's kind of like, like the yin and the yang. How, you know, how, how, how the symbol is. Yes. And there's a yang inside the yin and the yin mm-hmm. inside the yang. So it's, it's really it, like the more I delve deep, the more I see both yeah but with that being said i i am here on this earth as a woman and i am harnessing that and i'm Mm. very much um connected to this female energy but the more i delve deep the more i realize that both exist really yeah (laughs) fully exist i definitely see them both in me and sometimes they seem in balance and sometimes it's crazy how like i could all of a sudden walk into one room and it goes totally to the other energy Whereas I could have been like marching up to it and then I just completely soften. And sometimes it feels really negative and sometimes it feels really positive. Sometimes it feels like one part is being squashed and told to be kind of present. I do feel like in terms of using this this terminology of masculine and feminine, I mean, I also very much identify as a woman, but it wasn't until I really left Christianity that I think my more masculine side came out. I really do think that I I think I mean the part of that I could definitely analyze as being a bit of a conditioning around like expectations of gender roles and womanhood and being afraid to be a bit louder being afraid to be a bit more assertive which it's not like I never was that when I was younger but if I was I was maybe really insecure in it or I felt like judged for it or I felt like I was being too much not a good woman like all of these Mm -hmm. things so I definitely feel like after I came out of Christianity, I really like went ah, on the masculine side. Mm. And now I think I'm trying to learn how to kind of balance them both out and to figure out what spaces do I want to harness both? And like, can I even be in control of them? Like, cause I don't know if I can <laughs> all the time, but yeah. I, I relate like, for example, I've noticed that the woman parts were definitely oppressed. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more I become in touch with those women feminine yeah. parts and not be afraid of um, of showing them yeah the masculine is also getting stronger ah, and cool. um, working with, with with the feminine parts mm. <laughs> but of course yeah and I notice everything in life like always comes in and out of balance all the time yeah. and yeah. putting your heart on a scale when you decide that you want to explore what this universe is about and then you put your heart on a scale and it kind of like keeps swinging yes. until it finds a balance <laughs> and then it'll sing again yeah <laughs> always changing it's always a game yeah so it was interesting I kind of I don't know if this would be true but when I was thinking about this conversation I kept having these words come up that were like re-words um reclaim reconnect Mm. reconcile there was like a whole bunch of them remember reconsider revisit return redefine and I don't know if this is true for you but maybe you can clarify if it's not But I think I felt a little bit connected or I felt interested in some of what we had talked about before and that what I gathered from your experience a little bit Mm -hmm. and tell me if this is wrong Mm -hmm. as an interpretation, but that, yeah, you grew up Muslim and then there was some confusion there 
kind of in and around that, but a part of that ish was more yoga meditation. And then Mm -hmm. now in the most recent phase of life, we're kind of in a way bringing them together and like bridging them. Would that be kind Mm -hmm. of true? I would say Maybe. I'm seeing how they're linked and I'm seeing how all the teachings are just telling us the same huh. in just many different languages. Yeah. Um, do you have any like examples of that or that you could think of? Yes, I do have examples. If you want. Like, yeah. Know. For example, all the quote unquote rules <laughs> are uh, like, for example, the deadly sins. And by, mm. by saying them, I don't mean to offend um, anyone with, with any extremes, mm. yeah. <laughs> whether they have left it or whether they are. Yeah in it your but opinion, for example your, so mm-hmm. from my opinion like yeah at fo- uh, like for example the intoxication and by the way i have like absolutely no problem with drinking or mm-hmm. any intoxication but but i never understood why that was being taught to us um and then that was also in yoga and in meditation and all the other mm-hmm. faiths that i could possibly think of Mm -hmm. it's like no intoxications Mm -hmm. and then i only realized that from the vipassana meditation how it really agitates the mind and Mm -hmm. i felt it on a deeper level not Mm -hmm. because someone told me you're gonna go to hell or someone is checking on it Mm -hmm. and so that's one similarity just as a top example that i can now think of it's just they all offer us tools to not agitate the mind but how it's taught that's a different story (laughs) because we're always taught that you're right or wrong and it's not that you're right or wrong it's just that Mm. they offer you tools to not agitate uh the mind Mm -hmm. um so that was one of those tools and Um, maybe to be able to then connect more with exactly because when your mind is not in balance Mm -hmm. it's not going off to either extremes Mm -hmm. you are more able to feel equanimous and hold and be able to see the dualities and the beauty of the dualities Mm -hmm. um, if we were to go back to that yeah so that was just one example yeah um another thing that they all teach us how to be kind um Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we I mean, all, all religions teach us that, you know, to be kind and compassionate and give and, mm-hmm. and all of that and some, and not to be greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps I didn't fully understand how. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also through the yoga and meditations, I was able to kind of understand more the nature of greed and understand mm-hmm. the nature of things that arise like hoarding and all yeah. these different mental patterns that we hold yeah. and and once we are able to understand them and hold the space for them to release then mm-hmm. compassion is comes forward mm-hmm. and also speaking of they're they're all speaking about um how we're a breath of god like even in islam mm-hmm. there's a, a verse that i don't know how to translate but mm-hmm. it's like that we blew the soul in you that mm-hmm. you're you are a breath of this world yeah and, and i'm sure um, christianity i was gonna say there is i mean i don't know about the direct translation yeah. but there's a, there's a verse that's exactly exactly that. yeah and then and, and then the buddha says that like mm-hmm. and all like so they're all very similar and mm-hmm. they all and i really think that they yeah they were all taught really interestingly because now we see that there's lots of crazy islamic uh extremists like mm. isis and mm. um and then we also see how buddhists and Myanmar are killing muslims mm. and so there's yeah. everywhere and christians have done a couple things Christian, too. lots yeah. of things i mean, <laughs> didn't even want to go yes, there you can go there <laughs> yeah. so there's lots of just crazy people who mm. misunderstood the teachings like they totally mm-hmm. missed the mark so now I'm just realizing the beauty. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, they're all saying the same thing, but we just didn't understand how to listen. Yeah. It's hard to listen. And 
when the ego takes over and which is and the ego is not a bad thing it's just we don't know uh, like a, a really big ego yes and um, an insecure ego it's just the same thing it's, mm. they're all signs of a small ego mm. and I feel like we all need to mature it by truly understanding who we are and uh, right. and that's where the meditation the comes really in develop yeah and, because you can yes. pay attention to these things a bit more exactly yeah exactly I can see that like even I mean I've done some meditation in my life but mostly more some of the more yoga practice, which, which is still like moving around and stuff, but just this idea that like even this, the last three months, for example, doing weekly yoga and sometimes a little bit more that it just felt every time I came to the mat, it was a totally different experience because Mm -hmm. it just is this space to kind of stop and pay attention Mm -hmm. and just seeing what comes up in a way that I wouldn't necessarily, if I was just going off and doing my, my life that becomes the teacher is even just watching what's happening and you're like, Oh, whoa, like that thought's there. Why? Okay. Okay. We just chill with that for like a little bit. This episode of body and wine podcast was recorded in occupied Palestine, also known as the West bank. If you don't know what that means, or you're curious to know more about the illegal military occupation of Israel over Palestine, feel free to check out body and wine podcast episode power hour. Uh, with Jake. He explains not only being uh, queer in Palestine and some of the um, the joys and complications of that, but he also spends a lot of time explaining to listeners more about what the occupation looks like on the ground and how it impacts people's daily lives. And he also goes through some of the politics as well. So feel free to check out the episode and either way, enjoy continuing to listen to Majdal. Have you had any, I don't know, maybe this is like a leading question, but um, (laughs) how have you found people either in Ramallah or in Palestine or in your closer circles respond to you doing meditation and yoga, Mm -hmm. especially in regards to this kind of religious conversation? Mm -hmm. And I'll answer that now, but I want to go back to what you said. Ah, you go. (laughs) Go, yeah. Because you reminded me, you reminded me of this, of something, I can't remember who said it. But it was something that I heard one time that really resonated. Is that we're kind of like a sky. Or like discovering who you are is being as confident as the sky. Where Mm. it's always there and it's just always beautiful. Whether there is uh, rain clouds, whether there is thunderstorm or rainbow. Mm. The sky knows that all of these things are impermanent. Mm. They're all going away and there's the sky. And so it's the same that I, I always I experience that through yoga, where even in the same posture, mm-hmm. you can do it multiple times on the same day, and it's always a different experience because the sky holds different things mm-hmm. sometimes, and it's I think it's different moving, things yeah. coming up all the time, and it's all impermanent, and yeah. and I think that um, holding ourselves in the middle or being equanimous helps us to kind of see all these things arise and pass arise and pass and yeah weather the storm Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. then to go back to your question about how people in palestine viewed it Mm -hmm. i must admit that in the beginning uh, well no people my friend circles are extremely supportive Mm. um 
um, it was very beautiful. Some people were like, wow, you're crazy. Like with a Vipassana because it's 10 day silent yeah. meditation. It's like, wow, good for you. But I would go crazy or right. don't, don't you go crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this? Yoga like a curiosity thing? fascination. Exactly. Yeah. And then my mom had a little bit of a hard time digesting it because mm-hmm. she was afraid because it threatened her belief system. Mm-hmm. And so she felt threatened. Like, what is this doing to my daughter? Mm-hmm. Is it good or is it not? Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to see the transition of our relationship throughout the years as I mm-hmm. have stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And many people thought this was just a phase, you know, mm-hmm. she'll grow mm-hmm. out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting to see like how that has uh, evolved throughout the years, especially with family, with how they can see the changes that happened in myself. Cool. And so it feels to me that they are more supportive. And it also could be that my perception had changed. So maybe that right. they're exactly the right. same, but my <laughs> perception also changed and I can see how mm-hmm. they have really supported me on this path. Mm. And despite some of our differences in in beliefs, and, cool. uh, but um, they have totally supported it. And my mom feels so excited that there is also this return to appreciate mm. Islam and the teachings that have been given to me. Mm. So I think she she appreciates that, and I appreciate this as a point of connection yeah. rather than a point of aversion and right. uh, disharmony. Yeah, because for some time I also um, struggled with how do I use also my practice to um, benefit myself, but also benefit those around me and not harm yeah. them because I don't want to harm them right. with my beliefs and. Um, and that was a struggle in the beginning, but I feel like, and this is, it always changes. So I'm saying this now, and then I I notice the irony that sometimes that's not always true, but mm. the more I, I understand myself, the more I understand things outside too, mm. and I'm better able to, mm-hmm. to deal with all this <clears throat> craziness that happens with family or outside of family. Yes. Mm. And what was... Mm. <coughs> I was just going to ask about Ramadan, like how Ramadan mm. was it for you this year. Wow, it was so interesting. I did not appreciate how it changed my schedule, but, <laughs> but actually, no, let me rephrase that. I totally appreciate how it changed my schedule <laughs> because I feel like I was attached to this routine and I was so comfortable mm. with like waking up and... Like before Ramadan. Before Ramadan. Yeah. I loved waking up and oiling the body and doing yoga and meditation and praying and mm-hmm. then starting my day. And then in Ramadan, we eat at around like 7.30 or a little bit later. Mm-hmm. The day gets longer. And it's just so hard to sleep early because everyone is yeah. talking and socializing. Yeah. And so I'm like... And you just ate and like... Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you just ate. <laughs> Having meals. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was such an interesting observation because... First, I started like this, I I observed this pressure where Mm. sometimes I don't want to eat. Like I'm fine with not eating and it felt like my body didn't want food, but I felt pressured because I'm with family and other people and everybody's eating and they're like, oh my God, but you didn't eat. Yes. (laughs) And then I feel judged and I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) But then you feel out of sorts with your body. Exactly. (laughs) I can't please anyone. It's like, oh, I'm not pleasing myself. I'm not pleasing that. (laughs) So it was really interesting to see this different dynamics. Mm, mm-hmm. of, and it was challenging. Like I love Ramadan also because it offers, it really makes me aware of mm. how 
my psychology and I'm sure like maybe the human psychology all revolves around consumption mm. and like putting something like food and like drinks satiation and, and, and distraction yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, it is so We are like babies. We like, totally I totally are like babies. Like babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I notice all the time. That's so true. Just a big baby. I know. And yeah. big babies are more honest about it, because at <laughs> least they cry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that was really, really beautiful to observe. And then I noticed that there were some points of doubt. Mm. It's like, oh my God, this oh. is so harmful for the body. Oh mm. my God, oh my God, this is like, I need to go have food or water Mm -hmm. so it was really really interesting i appreciated observing all these random thoughts and Mm. overall because i have an issue with digestion and bloating Mm. it felt so good on my stomach yeah when i didn't eat yeah (laughs) like oh this is what a light stomach yes And you're like you're like you're right. I also noticed in those couple of days after Ramadan that I've been eating so much mm. to let go of that anxiety, yes. or not let go. Actually, it's definitely not mm-hmm. let go, mm-hmm. to hide. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it and I found like it was really nice to also not have an attachment and rely on kind of mm. a morning routine and just remind ourselves like, okay, well, what do we do now to mm-hmm. feel better or mm. not feel better, but to help take care of yourself mm-hmm. or by feel better I don't mean to numb it but to really understand what yeah. what is the process that's going yeah so for example in Ramadan I practiced a lot of yin yoga mm. for example my Monday class was changed to just yin mm. because I felt like we could also really value from slowing down and yeah. since there's already this deep cleansing process that comes when we're not when we're not consuming because yeah. sometimes a process comes up and we consume and it kind of pushes that process down and so yin yoga also helped me a lot to kind of mm-hmm. see what my body wanted mm-hmm. what it truly wanted beyond food and beyond mm-hmm. uh, drinks and all of that mm-hmm. and so that was an interesting process of how much the body speaks and really like everything in it is very very intelligent like even yeah. our pain is intelligent yeah, um definitely like for example our warts which we were just talking about <laughs> before like um, mm-hmm. i just had a process of wart removal mm. and it was just interesting to see the psychological aspects of it mm-hmm. um also throughout in the last 10 days of ramadan my grandfather passed away mm. and it was interesting to see how that affected my body physically and even like I noticed it in my family also like for example I had developed some redness like a rash on my palms okay and now I have like a cold sore inside my mouth and my throat feels a little bit swollen my chest Mm. like feels a little bit breathing isn't so like doing well like it's not relaxed and I, I noticed that's like a lot of symptoms of Mm. oppressed anger Mm. and not knowing how to deal with that anger i noticed that my dad developed like a really big cough and the lungs are usually the center of grief and i'm like wow that's also probably him grieving yes or not processing it um and so it's really especially when yeah just to interject too sorry Mm -hmm. but like also when you're already you're at the tail like you're at the end of ramadan so people's bodies are not also necessarily at their fittest and so they're maybe more sensitive and you can see these changes so much more easily which is so fascinating so 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 fascinating yeah 
and so yeah just this it really offered me such a deeper sense of appreciation for our physical mm. body and mm-hmm. its intelligence and taking guidance from it mm-hmm. and just to also in my opinion that nowadays in ramadan we really do not fast it as it was taught mm-hmm. i believe that in the days of the prophet when he was fasting the sun would set and then they would have soup or like they would break their fast with water and soup it. and dates mm-hmm. and then they'd pray all together and then later they'd have a really simple meal with just one type of dish mm. um, not one type of dish one type of food mm. um like a simple dish and that was it mm. and then they woke up early like uh, before they would hold their fast mm-hmm. and they would have another simple meal mm. and then they start their day from then on but nowadays what happened is that we break our fast and we eat so much food. We keep eating mm. until we hold our fast. <laughs> and then we don't sleep and we go about our day. So there's also a difference in the times and how we lost the sense of why we're doing it. Yeah. And so I also noticed that, you know... Some and maybe people, you confuse the body more than exactly, helping it in the spiritual totally. experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, so fasting, its purpose was to promote health. Mm. Like even, it, it was really beautiful because I did a little bit of research when Ramadan came and I'm like, where did the word Ramadan come from? And it means huh. the rain that comes in the fall or after the fall. I can't remember if it... No, the rain that comes either before or after the fall, to cleanse the the atmosphere from all the dust that happens. And it was named like this because it's a month where you cleanse the body. And Mm -hmm. by cleansing the body, you're better able to cleanse your heart and your mind. And we have lost that sense. Mm -hmm. um, And we forgot why we're doing Mm -hmm. it. And so I noticed that some people use it as an excuse to get angry or sleep all day or Mm -hmm. eat all night. And we just forgot that the health promotion aspect of it and I try to do my best but I it didn't definitely did not promote health for me and um, especially it's hard when people around you if they're not doing that exactly exactly guess what body and wine podcast is on Instagram and I love friends so if you are a friend who has Instagram or you have friends who have Instagram feel free to add the podcast and share with whoever you'd like the podcast handle is at body and wine podcast add me share me like me i'll add you back can we talk about ayurveda a little bit sure so ayurveda the word means the science of life and it's usually the sister science of yoga so i would say that most yoga informed individuals would have some sort of knowledge in ayurveda Mm. i had my knowledge from my yoga training. So <clears throat> from yeah. the yoga trainings, they combine some Ayurveda because they're sisters. Mm-hmm. And their third sister would be um, the Vedic astrology. Okay. So the three together are kind of the sisters to discovering ourselves mm-hmm. within the universe. And in the science of life, it speaks about the five elements that are present on earth, which are earth, water, fire, mm-hmm. air, and ether. Or space. Okay. And so from these five, Ayurveda particularly combines the earth and the water together to make what we call kapha. And by the way, I'm giving a very general uh, description. And the water and fire also come together to make pitta. And then we have the air and space come together to make space. Mm. 
and this is what we call doshas and it's just that what ayurveda talks about is that everything in life is made up from these elements from these five elements mm -hmm. and us as humans we have all these five elements and all these three doshas in our body yeah. but we have different ratios depending on our conception what was happening during conception and then depending on our parents' constitutions of their mm -hmm. combinations. And the way it looks at disease uh, is that it looks at these imbalances and it's like, okay, well, which element and is out of balance and how can we get those elements back in their place to make you feel healthy? So mm -hmm. all that Ayurveda does is to keep you in your balance of mm -hmm. the elements of that person. Mm -hmm. And I fell really in love with it because mm. we always have this sense, you know, because we're, there is a sense of separation where we view ourselves separate from the world. Mm. And um, I think when we're all on this spiritual path, we begin to, to notice all these illusions and that we're not separate. Yeah. And Ayurveda was a really nice way for me to realize that really the elements without are also within mm. like we can physically feel mm -hmm. the fire in our body we can actually feel the air and mm -hmm. the earth and mm -hmm. and all of that and it changed my way on how we look at disease because you know disease is totally manageable you have control over it in ayurveda you don't have to take a, a pill and you can just manage it by getting yourself in balance yeah. and so it's a really, really beautiful science that I've only dabbled in because um, yeah, it requires years of studies and it's, yeah. it's so beautiful, so vast. So I only cool. have a little bit of knowledge of it. I definitely don't claim to know much. No, but it's cool. Yeah, thank you for giving that description too. And the idea from this comes that, again, we are part of nature. We're a cell of nature, so mm -hmm. to speak. And... So just like things affect us here on Earth, like the sun affects us, the moon affects us, yeah. so do the planets yeah. because we're all working together. So yeah. it just looks at how the planets affect us. Yeah, It makes sense to me in so many ways in that, I mean, I can see why some people, they start to scoff at it for, I think, all yeah. sorts of yeah, yeah. reasons. Probably a lot of misinformation just like across the board or misuse of the information and you know, like Cosmopolitan magazine and, you know, having like an intern come up with their like horoscope sign. But, but for me, even, even when I think about, you know, when we talk about moon cycle and my menstruation, um, especially when I was living in Dahab, I ended up syncing up with so many women and so many of us were synced up with the moon. Oh. And so we talked and really intensely, it was kind it was kind of a bit of a wild time. And there were a bunch of super moons last year too. And we wow. felt it was like I've never felt the kind of hormonal swing, the mood swings of PMS to the extent that I did last year. Like before mm -hmm. it was hardly if ever a thing. I would maybe feel my body would really experience a lot of like premenstrual symptoms, but not my mood. And last year it was so intense, but I really think it had to do a lot with the moon. I mean, I was going through it a lot of my life, but I'm always mm -hmm. going through a lot of my life. Anyway, we were talking with this one woman who lives in Dahab and she's lived there for a long time. And I guess... For many years, I think I have it in my memory that she spent like years living on boats as a sailor. Mm. And she said that every single time there was another woman on the boat, which wasn't that often, they would definitely sync up and it was almost always to the moon cycle. And I don't know if this is like an actual thing that people talk about, but she said the more people that she knows who live in kind of the countryside or areas where you are just more 
in the natural world, you like your body is less kind of pulled and swayed by other distractions, like the way that it would be in a city kind of thing where there's way more people and, you know, electricity and whatever machines around and things to kind of change your body a little bit, then you will get synced up to the moon. So for me, just this one basic thing of the fact that the moon can affect your period, like, of course, we're affected in so many other ways. That's just one, you know, one small cycle in all of our cycles. Yeah. yeah. If the moon can pull the ocean up, like, come on, yeah. how do you think it's not going to affect your little body? Like, <laughs> Exactly. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's so incredible. Yeah. And and just to give one example, I totally relate. I mean, the moon is just so powerful. It's mm-hmm. such a deep connection to our period. And I think sometimes also when we don't realize how things affect us, because we're not as connected, and yeah. which I definitely was a part of. I yeah. mean, and it's completely understandable. Yeah, it's so interesting how everything is really, really connected. Like, mm-hmm. even the planets. I know, it makes sense. It I makes mean, sense. I don't know how to yeah. read it all, but it's just like, <laughs> from a really factual standpoint. Yeah, like you said, we are just, we're a bunch of cells in a universe of a yeah. bunch of cells and photons and energies. And so, but exactly. it makes sense that we're connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like how our body, for example, like everything works together, mm-hmm. like it's, it's a whole, mm-hmm. I would say like we're a part of a bigger body. Yes. We're all like a whole yeah. working together. We're just walking around. We're, we're just, just going to move around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Maybe sometimes like, uh, like egotistic of us to think that we're not connected. Definitely. <laughs> totally. But I think, I mean, at least maybe this is only speaking from my like perceptions of quote-unquote, North American or Western cultures. A certain view of Christianity, which is actually linked to a lot of, mm, I would say, theological beliefs as to why colonialism was allowed to happen the way it did, at least when it was under Christianity, um, was kind of this notion that God made man and then God told man, you are above the earth and above all animals and you Mm. rule the earth. And it was kind of this interpretation of scripture, which now there's a lot of theologies that would say that's not, again, like if you read underneath the meaning, that's not actually what it meant, but definitely was interpreted sometimes in political documents, like actually, you know, decrees to go and actually colonize was this idea that man is separate from the earth and is somehow above it. And you have this God-sanctioned kind of right. And then on top of that, bodies ultimately are this, um, again, I I grew up hearing a lot of language that it was like your earthly body is this, and it's nothing compared to your, what your heavenly body Mm. is going to be. But it was often, at least the way that I perceived it, um, in the messaging was like that bodies, yeah, are not, yeah, they're all kind of inadequate and they're just housing your soul for now. And it's not this thing to be kind of like revered and respected necessarily. I mean, there were verses about your body as a temple and stuff, but it was a little bit more like, your soul is the ultimate thing and body counts a little bit yeah, less. Yeah. Oh, but this disconnection, yeah, like in, in that, yeah. that was in, a, I think that's in a lot of theological views is that body is not held um, as sacred. And I, I think it's just, it completely confuses the science of just understanding yourself as a natural being like completely, yeah. completely because it's like, we can't transcend it. Mm-hmm. Well, like, we have to live it and mm-hmm. know it and mm-hmm. feel it like, mm-hmm. and respect it. And it's interesting that you say that about um, how like man above all, because something similar isn't, is in the Quran, mm-hmm. but it was said that 
It's actually, I find it really beautiful, which mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate before, but that we, uh, like that men or human beings mm-hmm. are created mm-hmm. um, to be responsible for this earth. To I don't take know what care the, of. To take care of. Mm. Or I don't know what the word, because the word is stronger in Arabic, khalifa. Mm. I don't know what that mm. would mean in English, but it's like we were given this responsibility. Yeah. And it said, but... Oh, is it, do you know steward? The word steward, steward S T E. Yeah, I don't know. That's if it used would in be some interpretation. Oh, okay, like Could a be. steward of this earth Maybe. means like you uh. you serve it, but in a way that is uh, responsible, like a caretaker. Uh. Of, like, okay, that yeah, kind of idea. it could be. Maybe. It could be like a steward. Yeah, okay. maybe. I don't know if that would be the the accurate translation. Yeah, fair. But, but yeah, it was said that like we're like stewards of this earth. But that man is ignorant, or humans are, Mm. I don't like the word man, but humans Mm. are ignorant. Mm. And it's so interesting to see because, yes, like our ignorance is what led us to understand everything differently. And I'm not saying ignorance in in a bad sense, like we're ignorant, but we're deeply asleep and we're not awake and we're learning to wake up from, Mm. from all this ignorance. But I think that that ignorance is what led us to be conditioned and really misunderstand all these teachings that have been given. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk if you want, as mm-hmm. you want. I'm wondering mm-hmm. where for you sexuality comes into all of this. Mm-hmm. Whether that's personal or societal, whatever that's linked to. Mm-hmm. Um, even something I find interesting is trying to understand where people get their, like, their sexual ethic from. It's kind of like where I said in the beginning. I, f- I feel like we're all always seeking unity, whether we are aware of it or not, because mm. we all want to be happy. All human beings want to be happy, and sometimes we do things that we realize later are dumb because we thought we wanted to be ha- we were happier. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we're all somehow intrinsically want to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we were to look at this whole universal aspect of life, there's always this duality. And I think that sexuality is so strong is because we either think or we feel or it is offering us some sort of unity Mm -hmm. where two things or two beings (laughs) come together as Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see how there are some spiritual practices that encourage that um, and then others want to contain it want to control it withhold Mm. you from it or not the teachings per se but how it was taught but I think that um, like even the Buddha says that our sexual our sexual desires is our biggest one of our biggest bondages here in life which Mm. I can totally observe and it's because Mm. there's always that want to unite Um, and it's such a big and beautiful part of us as humans it's it's there's a desire to be one Mm. and but I notice that for for me I would always think of things in the middle and just we have spoken a lot about duality because it's just really always there Mm. and in order to to see the oneness beyond the duality, because I think that's when, when we are happy, when we are able to feel fully connected mm. to ourselves. And when we do, it's to feel that oneness. Mm. And to feel that oneness, everything has to be in balance. Um, and sexuality, I, I feel, also should mm. be balanced. To give a sense of that, I notice that from my life, there were times where I was so judged if I were to do 
anything with my body, then I would be extremely judged. Mm -hmm. And then there are other times where in the West, for example, I was extremely judged for not doing anything with Mm. my body. And so it was like both. If you're sexual, you're judged. If you're not sexual, you're judged. And so there's a lot of either, and not just in the West and the East, like even in the East where it's viewed as very... um, strict and maybe uh, a little bit oppressive with sexuality then mm. there are certain aspects in the east where it's hypersexualized yeah. and same with the west mm-hmm. there's a yin and a yang and, and all yeah <laughs> and so i notice that we're either oppressing those parts mm-hmm. or we're hypersexualizing those parts and i notice that there's this it, it's sometimes unbalanced and so mm. I find beauty from my experience in the Buddhist teachings and in Islam as tools to find that balance. And some people may find it oppressive and mm-hmm. some may, may find it, which is totally valid for it because everyone has their own different yeah. balance. Yeah. But I find beauty in how they offer tools to balance it and definitely not to oppress it. Mm-hmm but to just find that balance of where you are in respecting your body, Mm -hmm. whether that's being sexual or not being sexual, but Mm -hmm. just to kind of, they offer tools to find that balance and how that's interpreted is different for every person. And by balance, like we're always in and out of balance, as I also mentioned before. And, um, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things, for example, that I needed to heal with conditioning from the teachings that have been given and, given um in order to appreciate why they were given Mm. and sometimes that's hard for me to tell people especially those who have decided to go off to the other balance or to Mm. have who have left religion religion Mm. first for some maybe it's hard to hear that they're but hang on i'm not phrasing it right Mm. but But sometimes it's hard for them to hear uh, a reconciliation of that. Religion was never meant to harm you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's how it was taught. Mm -hmm. And it was people who were conditioned, Mm -hmm. who taught you more conditioning. Mm -hmm. And But I don't think religion was ever meant to harm, or the teachings, you know? And sometimes Mm -hmm. religion has such deep connotations and deep conditioning in itself when someone hears it, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I think that it, I don't think it's a way of control. I think it's been taught as a way of control. But yeah. again, if we were to delve deep into, into the layers of it and uh, certain rules, mm. and they don't just, they don't say don't have sex. I think that that's what's been teaching us. They yeah, just that's an offer suggestions to help us feel more centered because. Mm. Any extreme is really just the same. Like, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. the same. Both extremes are yeah. the same, whether you oppress it or you give it full reign. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's the putting it on the pedestal kind yeah. of idea that can kind of either way really mess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. I remember hearing also someone say how, like, 90% of the world's energy either goes on oppressing sex or pursuing sex, mm. which is really true we spend so much mm-hmm. energy on mm-hmm. sex where it's just we we make it a lot more than it is yeah yeah <laughs> and that's where i really appreciate the buddha i mean i can't say it better than he <laughs> he's just so awesome in his teachings and actually not just him all teachings really want us mm. to be in the middle i keep saying that i know <laughs> but it's like wait why did i mention that because you were saying something oh mm. and he he teaches and mm. through vipassana he teaches it's like 
don't oppress it, Mm -hmm. but don't give it free reign and observe it. Mm. So when sexual thoughts arrive, observe it. What is the sensation? What is actually happening? Like, do you really want that act? Or is it coming from other places? Like, Mm. for example, anger, fear are Mm. like also so deeply connected to the womb and the uterus and the hips and in this area because there's like literally those energy lines are also going through the hips like Mm. if we look at the anatomy of the body and so it's like observing what is the sexual what is it because we make it it's a physical act but then it's interesting because then there's a lot more and we get caught up in the a lot more and yeah. and then it's just it gets confusing yeah. and it gets confusing it's like where all the conditioning also comes in yes. and and observing the physical sensations in the body really helps in us understanding what we want you know as a person in this body what does the body want mm-hmm. and you know where are you among amongst all this conditioning that you've been giving Mm -hmm. and uh, what it is that you want to experience. Mm. Um, And I like that you say that because I think that's, that's where, at least for me, I think sexuality is not necessarily just, it's not this physical act necessarily, but it's reading what your body wants and how you're going to move through the world in that way. And what your body is desiring and attracted to Again, not necessarily just to have sex with something in terms of the way we know it, but just where does that desire come from? Yeah. What are those needs that it's seeking to fulfill or that connection that it's wanting? Like, Yeah, it is funny because it is such a powerful thing. And it's one of those things that on the one hand, we need to like recognize how powerful it is, but then we give it so much power that then it, it's not just a normal thing. We yeah. could just focus on so many other things if we weren't so obsessed with yeah. <laughs> sex yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Know. Yeah, Yeah. because like also it's interesting how that's been taught to us because our relationship with God is essentially our relationship with ourselves. Mm. Like there is this beautiful hadith by the prophet, which is not from the Quran. It's something that he said. It's like like the person who knows themselves knows God. And I'm like, wow, that Uh, is so true. Yeah, Because if you, like God is... Something that is expressed beyond words, you know, it's like this entire, it's the intelligence that connects everything together in the universe. It's like flowing in us. So we are God, you know, everything is God. And if we know ourselves, then we know we're God, Mm. then we know God and we know. Uh And and, um, so, yeah, it's interesting how we always see it as something totally separate. But I think we, there is value in reclaiming religion and from this spiritual point of view where Mm. you're like you know what no let's teach it for let's really liberate people let's really really liberate people and it doesn't have to be through religion but it's like through through those empowering teachings it's like know yourself Mm -hmm. and know what's been given to you like know your body know your mind Mm -hmm. um and know it all but Mm -hmm. truly know it all Mm -hmm. like because sometimes like we get stuck like in religion for example those who are not trying to better themselves for example it's like they get to a point where they think they know and that's one of our biggest illusions when we think we know and And tell other people like yeah and and tell other people what they should and shouldn't do and yeah and I've learned also through the years that it's so hard like dealing with judgment but also I'm learning it's like the more people judge and shame and guilt the more they have Mm. judging and shaming and guilting towards themselves and Mm. that sometimes harnesses some compassion it's like 
I've been there, you know, I completely understand. I too have that. And maybe all as a collective, we can work on it together. Like, um, yeah, understanding, you know, whether you decide to leave religion, whether you decide to reclaim it, or you find other paths, like, let's all just empower each other. Yes. These are such huge parts of our lives, you know. They are. And they do impact us, like, for better or worse. And living in, uh, like, yeah, living in judgment or fear when it comes to your sexuality can be, like, a really crappy way to live. Yes, I <laughs> you know? completely yeah. agree. It's Because yeah. cause fear and judgment is also, like, not expressing yourself. Like, it's, like, fearing yourself. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah. we're incredible beings, yeah. all of us. I yeah. mean wow we're a breath of this universe and we are just so powerful mm-hmm. and it's like learning to let go of that fear and shame with uh, associated with your sexuality and anything else in your life is just so empowering because mm-hmm. it's you being cl- one step closer to your full potential yeah and like mm. wow being our full potential is beautiful what do you think about i had a note here about this like one of the yoga classes the women i think it was the women's only class maybe mm-hmm. not and we were doing this one movement or posture mm-hmm. where we were lying on our backs and we had the strap cradling our neck attached to one of our feet that was mm. stuck up in the air. And then you kind of like rest and like, you know, swing into it, lean into it. And really randomly, and I, I was cognizant of it quite quickly because it was surprising to me this thing that happened. All of a sudden, I felt, and this is not typical for me, I would say I am a very, like, uh, like spiritual experiences that I experience really physiologically, yeah. but that seem also very metaphysical at the same time. Like, that doesn't happen to me, usually. So I was, like, lying there, and all of a sudden, it really felt like I could feel <laughs> this um, presence in my, in and around, like I'm doing the, I, you can't see it on the podcast, but I'm, I'm holding like a globe around like the front of my womb area because it felt like it was like, if it could glow, it would just be like glowing from that area, which is probably a really funny image, but it was, it was a, it was a presence, like it was a being and it didn't have like a gender or a name or a face or anything. It just was there and it was so strong and it didn't go away right away. It wasn't like a, whoa, that was a flash. It probably stayed for like, well, it stayed definitely for the entire posture and echoed a bit after that, which I think it would have been maybe more the yin yoga because I know we were holding yeah, them a we little bit younger. And it was so wild. And I literally, like, I think at one point I like, I was trying to lean into it, but then I opened my eyes at one point because I'm like, what is happening? And it still stayed and it was just wow. wild. And it was surprising to me because... Well, yeah, A, that doesn't happen to me typically. And it was just this really interesting, like, full-blown presence. And it was weird. And then it, yeah, it kind of slowly went away, but I was shocked by it. And again, kind of the nice thing for me is I don't necessarily feel any need to understand that. Mm. Maybe me when I was 18 would have been like, oh my God, I have to pray about this. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Should I be playing? Yeah. Or, you know, like, now I'm like, cool, that's nice. That was really cool, but like, let's move forward. Or maybe I, well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that I moved on from it. It did give me an interesting um, thought around, okay, like, what kind of like sexual partners do I want in my life? And is that linking up also with longer term things that I want? So there was a bit of that too of like, because it was, it. oh, I was, I'm like processing this. I don't think I really did actually. 
at the time, it was this idea that if that did come into the world, if it is an actual being that's going to yeah. be a being, because <laughs> who knows, maybe it could be the, the podcast. Like <laughs> <laughs> but if it is this, it's like, oh no, I would really want there to be like love and support around that. And I would want to be in a good, healthy place. And at that point, I wasn't really in a healthy place with like someone I was kind of more attracted to. And it was just, like, good. Like, it wasn't an epiphany, actually, but it was, like, really, um, yeah, I don't know. It was very cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's not so cool for me, I yeah. guess. Wow. Really nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm Just here. something to think about. Yeah, yeah, know? just a little food for thought. Food <laughs> for thought, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Wow. Mm. Yeah. But I, I guess I bring that up because then I'm curious, how do you, I mean, I've heard you talk before about dreams and that you have quite vivid dreams. Yeah. But I'm curious how you maybe interpret or like view some of these things or if you even do, do you have like stuff like that either yourself or other students come mm -hmm. to you sometimes mm -hmm. with these kinds of experiences? Um, yeah, it's interesting because also uh, in the past I would have definitely always been like interpreting and mm. trying to find meaning. But um, again, like over the experience I'm learning to, that also meanings change. And like mm. sometimes when things come, they come differently. Like, just to give an example. So this sometimes happens. and um, But also, like, sometimes things happen, like, on a more regular, more not, like, mm. not as cool as your story. Or not, a, not, not, not as cool. Like epic, but Not as epic. Yeah. There we go. Not as um, different, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it happens. It's interesting because it feels like parts of our mind is, like, always communicating to us and yeah. kind of like leading us yeah. and the signs are always there and sometimes I feel like something nudges harder like for example when an experience like yours happens it's like something wants like a, a stronger hey yeah. like I'm here you yeah. know because um, I noticed that like for example to give one example of an experience that happened to me is that one time I had just finished like my Vipassana practice and then I noticed that my mom was just so unhappy because she had heard some chantings and she didn't understand what those chantings meant. Mm. And I'm like, oh, interesting. And I felt kind of anger arise. Mm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm angry right now because mm. uh, it's beautiful chantings and she can't see that it's beautiful chantings. So I go in and I'm a little bit angry and skeptical. Yeah. And I'm like, I want a sign right now. If And I was kind of like demanding, like so sassy. <laughs> like, like, I can't picture you doing that. this. <laughs> It's like, I want a sign right now. Do I need to like uh, be uh, a little more understanding towards religion? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of just lied there. Definitely did not expect anything. Also, I didn't think I was in a state to welcome anything. I was yeah. just so unwelcoming at that moment. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it felt like my heart just burst open. Whoa. And it was like pulling in towards the direction of like her, wow. her room. And it was like something, it's like, yeah, come back to us. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Wow. <laughs> At that point, I totally didn't give it any thought and just kind of like it was on the side. Mm. And I only like then later the interpretation felt like it came. It's mm -hmm. kind of to balance the family with the practice and not choose one over the other. Mm. And so in, in through dreams, I feel like sometimes it's the subconscious just communicating different parts and like in such beautiful ways, like always pulling us in directions mm. and just. You know, like for you, making you think like, oh, maybe, or would I like to have a healthier life right now? Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful how it communicates um, 
and dreams are just a whole other world of mm. like uh, really really beautiful I like to keep a dream journal mm. um, to kind of note how they shift and like certain messages that come across mm. and it's it, it feels like a really good tool to learn more about yeah. our mind and our feelings yeah this is like a two-part question okay what would be something that you felt that you grew up learning in terms of sexuality and or spirituality that you've had to kind of maybe unlearn that was unhelpful for you uh but then also something that you did learn that uh, you want to keep with you or mm. or you think is maybe helpful for other people mm. something that I want to unlearn is fear of expression mm. I feel like throughout the years as a child definitely the voice um, the side that expresses has definitely been oppressed mm. And I would like to unlearn that, like fear, like fear of God, fear mm. of um, hell and want and craving heaven. And mm. it just, it multiplied our craving and aversion. And I'm like, okay. Um, mm. And then that resulted in fear of expression. Okay. So something that I want to unlearn is uh, fear of expression and being totally secure uh, on this planet like everything is just working in harmony and it's beautiful and sometimes there will be ups and sometimes there will be downs but it's all part of life and we can express ourselves without fear that's mm. what i would like to unlearn cool something that i learned that i would like to keep is all the all these practices the 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 practices of islam the practices of vipassana and the practices of yoga I think through all of them, I was able to see the unity. Mm. And from them, what I see the biggest unity is that it's all okay. <laughs> like, it's really all okay. When, if we're lost, it's okay. If we're sure, it's okay. And, but really, we are it's always constantly okay. So there's a lot of security <laughs> in this. It's yeah. like, we're fine. Yeah. Um, and that helps with getting rid of the fear as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But truly, because there is just, there's a lot of beauty in us. And I think we, mm. we know what we're doing, even when we're lost, we know what we're doing. Mm. And, um, and, and maybe another part of the teaching is always just thinking of your balance. And this is going to be different from person to person, but just, I would say that I have learned to find my balance. Mm. And again, that changes, um, and shifts as we grow and mature, yeah. but it's finding that balance. In Arabic, we always said that we grew up with a saying, Khairul umuri awsatiha. It's like the best things come in its medium, uh, in its middle. Mm. Uh, and I learned that in, in all the practices that I came across. So it's just mm. always find whatever your balance is. And, and that's okay if it changes. Mm. And then the other question as well that I've been asking people is something that you just like find attractive um it's interesting to see how that also shifted through the years which <laughs> is so funny because i remembered when you asked and i'm like oh like physically or no no i forget what i asked <laughs> anyway it's like oh like can i say the moon <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i'm so attracted to the moon <laughs> you can say that <laughs> your your title is actually majdal on the moon so, okay, so there you go the moon. <laughs> It's your relationship with the moon. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. 
But really that has shifted because I was extremely shy, like everything physical. I was really, really more attracted to the physical. Mm. And it's interesting to see how through the years, I'm not free of that. Yeah. Uh, there's still things that attract me physically. But I've noticed that what I look in... Um, in relationships is the, a spiritual sense because that has been such a part a big part of my life yeah. so I notice how now my mind shifted it's like if I find like a person is uh, spiritual or aware or more aware than I am I'm like wow that is so attractive mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting to to see how that um, hmm. evolved and changed over uh, the years yeah but I would say I like I find it attractive when people have more knowledge than I do. Because uh -huh. <laughs> then you're like learning. From exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, cool. thanks so much for sharing with me. Thank yeah. you. I really look forward to hearing others and seeing like their yeah. experiences. Yeah. Because I was definitely trying to be a PG also. <laughs> That's all for today. Thank you, as always, for listening, sharing episodes with your friends, and also getting to know the situation in Palestine and spreading the word about that as well. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast and have some new ways of thinking about your own life, your own body, and where in the world we can find unity. Thank you. Until next time, signing out.